This is the official podcast of Elamir, where we have conversations with B2B storytellers about how they go about doing what they do. going in uh where are you again you're in new jersey i'm in pittsburgh pittsburgh that's yes. right nice yeah what's it like in pittsburgh it's cold <laughs> very cold nothing really exciting this time of year so i'm just looking forward to summer to be honest yeah i feel that it's been like 60 degrees and sunny here so uh it's been fantastic very jealous very jealous yeah. <laughs> yeah. um well cool i'm really really excited to be talking with you uh i know we've we've talked you know a fair amount about some of the stuff you've done with social media and a lot of different uh, aspects of the work you do. So I'm excited to talk in this context where we're recording you and you can't uh, back out of anything that you say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm honestly so excited and it feels weird to be on the other side of the mic because, you know, I also have a podcast. So I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited to dive in and maybe talk totally. about some things that I haven't talked about in my podcast. So I'm excited. I know. I Whenever I join like anyone else's conversation and I'm not in charge of the questions. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, this is not, this is not comfortable at all for me. Yeah. So we'll go cool. with it. It'll be fun. Yeah. We'll just see where it goes. Um, all right, cool. Well, I, I just want to jump right in with, um, the work you're doing at Octopost. Um, yeah. and particularly, obviously you're the social media manager there. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, can you give a quick, quick overview of Octopost and then kind of some of the work that you're doing? Yeah. So at Octopost, we are a B2B social media engagement suite. So we encompass everything you need as a B2B marketer on social media and beyond. So we have employee advocacy, publishing, social listening, analytics. We have um, lead level data. We have everything you could possibly need to manage your social strategy. Um, and we also have an employee advocacy platform. So at Octopost, I'm in charge of all things social. Um, I'm no longer a team of one, which is fantastic. And I have a, a teammate now. Her name's Addie. She's probably listening to this. So Addie, Shout you're the best. Shout out to Addie. Yeah, she's awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm in charge of all things social. So our social strategy, um, all of our networks that we are posting on. I also run yeah. our employee advocacy program. Um, I have a podcast called Behind the Post where I interview other B2B social media managers. And then yeah. my role at Octopus is actually a little unique because I am one of our target audiences. So I am often brought into sales calls, customer calls to help support um, when yeah. needed. So it's kind of a unique role. But yeah, I love yeah. I love my job. I love social media. Obviously, that's why I do social media for my work and as my hobby inside hustle. So yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. I think that that's kind of how we, we ended up connecting actually, because like, or talking more because, uh, obviously I was trying to learn more about Octopus with, cause we partner with you guys. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so they sent me to you cause they were like, well, she, <laughs> she's the, <laughs> she's the exact target of the person we're yeah. prospecting to, but she uses it for, for your guy, for Octopus mm -hmm. purposes, obviously. Yeah. Um, my I, friend one, one, one thing that's worth saying about octopus that I think is really interesting is that it's specifically B2B. Um, mm -hmm. and I think it's been cool working with you guys to realize like the B2B social media, organic social needs is so different than what you'd expect if you're a B2C like consumer brand, which has just mm -hmm. been interesting to learn. 
Yeah, exactly. And it's something that when we show our prospects or our customers, our platform, they're honestly blown away because they didn't even know what we do is possible. And it just gives so much insight into the buyer journey and just everything they need to just help make their strategy even better. So, yeah, exactly. So I want to jump in about, uh, the way you guys use social at Octopost. So what's working for you guys? Like what, what is, what is the thing that you're finding is, is really playing well right now? So over the past year and a half or so, and while I've been at Octopost, our top performing content is always our company culture campaign. So when we're showing our, everyone in our, everyone in the offices at meetups, anytime we show people on our page, it does really well. So our company culture campaign just continually is at the top. Our recruitment campaign is usually at the top as well because it's always showcasing um, our Octoposters. And then our customer stories campaign is usually up there too. This is where we share case studies and um, customer shout outs. Something that actually I've found is kind of like a little tactic for growth if you are looking to reach new audiences and gain more followers on your brand account, which can be challenging sometimes is to give your customers a shout out if they are open to it. And if there's, if there's something in the contract, you might want to check first. Um, but if they win an award or like their VP of sales just gets promoted or has like won an award, tagging the individual has really helped because then they repost it, reshare it. And then everyone in their network will comment on it too. So those posts always do really well. And then I also find when we share very actionable insights, tips, and tricks. Just sometimes it can be a bullet point. Sometimes it's a video, whatever we're saying, you can do this, this, and this to help improve this. Those kind of posts always do well. And I try to create content that I know I would like to see as a social media manager. So I think it also helps that I'm in the position that I am. Um, So I just try to create something that's going to help someone in their role which is honestly harder than it sounds. Um, but it's, it's hard. It's a balance because you know, what's going to work well, but you also have content that you have to get out. So it's kind of like, how do I continue to tell the story of my brand? How do I continue to spark interest and grow our following, but also talk about things like webinars, new blog posts, things like that, where, you know, you need to be sharing about them, but you have to go about it in a very tactical way to still, keep it engaging. Yeah. I think it's so interesting watching your guys' socials um, and seeing how smart you are at leveraging your team as content creators. And then also, like you mentioned, your customers as content creators. Yeah. And I think it's it's such a different way of approaching social than maybe like a, a, somebody first setting out. It's like, all right, we're going to do social. Let's create a company account and let's let's put out content that explains our product and like, let's get some nice animations and like, let's, you know, but that's not even what social is like. And I I've noticed like you guys just had your company retreat and there's Mm -hmm. like four or five employee posts that I've seen that are getting so much traction because it's posted on their individual LinkedIn. It's shared across, they tag people. And Mm -hmm. so there's so much, and then the images are of people. So it's yeah. just like very inclusive of people and community and mm-hmm. showing faces. And so I just, can you talk about like, is that deliberate? And then like, how do you go about doing that? How do you like pivot your company to realize, to, to accomplish that kind of? Topic? Yeah. Well, 
We do have an employee advocacy program. So everyone in our company is a part of our program and we always have content for them available. And it's not only Octopus brand content, it's industry content, thought leadership content. And then they also have the ability to post their own content through the platform. So that is there for them. But then those posts that you saw from our um, company revenue kickoff, I did not say a word. That was all organic. And that's where I think I'm really lucky because everyone in our program understands the value of social and understands its impact and the power of leveraging your employees. So I think I'm very lucky um, in that sense. But yeah, that was all organic. And that makes me very happy as a social media manager. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. And it, it makes sense. And I think it's definitely like, one thing we're always trying to push our clients, like, as we tell stories is like, is like, uh, you know, you try to create content in a way that motivates people and whether it's so that way, the organic pieces are easier. You know, if people have a good time at an event and there's a cool photo that they can share, they will just share it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it does help to have that, that good content. Um, yeah. So I'm curious if you think about all those all those different aspects of what you mentioned that you guys are doing that's working. What are some themes that come out of it? Like what are high level takeaways of of things that you know that you can say this is the kind of content that's working or this is the type of types of posts? Yeah. So for us what we've discovered is on our company brand LinkedIn page. We know that text posts do really well, posts with images and videos do really well. Um, We were actually taking a look at it yesterday um, and links just do not perform well. We we pulled up a report and it was posts with text and images are all the way up here and then links are down here. But then when you look at advocacy, it's totally different. Links perform really well on advocacy and videos don't perform as well, which is really interesting. But to me, it makes sense because when something is coming from a person, it seems more authentic because it's coming from an actual person and a face. And if you're already posting on social media, people trust you and you probably have a personal brand. Whereas on the brand page, you have to be really tactical with what, how you're delivering your message, because it's not coming from a person, it's coming from a logo. So you have to make it friendly and inviting and engaging. And if you're just posting a link to a webinar saying we have a new webinar coming up, like save your spot, it it just doesn't get the engagement that would a person would get. So I have found that for more, for pieces that have links in them or just the more technical pieces of content we're sharing, I will leverage our employees. And then the more company culture, community content I'm posting on our, our brand page. That's so interesting. It's almost like where there's less, there's less people in the content leverage people. And then when there's more people in the content, mm-hmm. it's okay to to make the company look more like there's people, you know, and use the less, the less personal yeah. account, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And as a storyteller for me, it makes a ton of sense because at the end of the day, people connect with people. That's mm-hmm. like, that's why we all click on social accounts for hours. Yeah. You know, we're, we're looking for what other people are up to. It's a social yeah. activity. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm curious. I know we talked before about some of the growth that you've seen on social, particularly with LinkedIn, um, and some of the experiences that you've seen with just like the, the rapid growth of your campaigns. Can you talk about some mm-hmm. of the growth that you've seen? Yeah. So it was honestly, um, just within this quarter, yeah. we stopped sharing as much 
content that will take you somewhere else. So we're trying to make our social media a destination and a presence where when you're on our page, you don't need to leave anywhere else to get the information you need. Of course, there are still times where we're sharing links to podcasts and blogs and things that are coming up, but we want our social media to be a destination where people come and want to be and will stay. So when we started doing that, we've seen so many more followers. And I don't know if it's because I have a feeling it's because we have been sharing less links and I know there have been algorithm reports that have come out and say that, I mean, LinkedIn has never come out and said this, but people are speculating that the less links, the better because LinkedIn wants you to stay on LinkedIn and not go somewhere else. So we have been sharing less links. We've also been sharing more company culture content and we've been sharing more actionable insights. So I think really just making your social media a place where people want to be really makes a difference and not sending them out where out somewhere else. So we're just trying to give them what they need. And we're going to, we're trying to stop asking so much and give, give way more than you ask. Yeah. 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 Are there specific content that you're working on this week that we can dig into a little bit? That's like really, really topical to this conversation. Um, so this week we have actually, we have two customer events. So I, these kind of posts are really fun because first they involve people. Um, and second, we can kind of get into what we're doing at Octopus and what we stand for and the value that we're bringing to our customers. So those kind of posts are really fun because we can dive into all of that, but also share the people. So we actually had one go live yesterday and then we have another customer event coming up on Thursday. Um, so we'll have that content go out probably on Friday. What is the event? Um, so we had an event around, um, social media data and being able to understand your metrics and what you need to be successful and how you should be tying your, um, success back to business goals and things like that. So nice, nice. That's cool. So then what does the content look like from that? Like, are you taking, you know, video or text or, or like, or you're generating graphics from quotes that people have said, or like, how do you, what is the content creation there? So honestly, we keep it pretty simple. So honestly, it looks like content that would be coming from a person's page. So we are sharing pictures from the event and we just gave a little summary Mm -hmm. of the event. And then we actually tagged everyone who attended. It was a smaller event um, in Israel. So we were able to tag everyone in the post. Um, But it was it was pretty simple. Honestly, I think the simple the more you can keep it simple, the better, because People are busy. We're scrolling through our LinkedIn feed. We don't have a lot of time. So we just gave a summary of the event, um, shared what we chatted about, and then tagged everyone and then shared a few images. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense that simple is better. It's like you have like a half of a second to capture somebody's attention. So they better know like very quickly what's going on. Yeah, I know for me, if I am scrolling LinkedIn and I see a paragraph or like multiple paragraphs, I scroll right past it. Especially if the first sentence does not entice me. I just keep scrolling. Like you, you have to give people a reason to care or it just, you, you have to like, everyone is so busy and you have like two seconds to engage someone. If that, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I know with, when we make videos for social, it's like, we're very aware of the first two seconds. And we're also aware of like the first like quarter second, like what do people see immediately? Cause you make so many, you make so many decisions as a viewer in that short amount of time. Once you have that, then you can work backwards and, and deliver content. Cause once people have de- said, okay, I'll spend two seconds 
they're probably willing to spend another like eight, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, we've got them for at least eight seconds, yeah. which is so such a weird, I don't know, such a weird negotiation with an audience. Yeah. And it's funny because I know on my personal, like TikTok, for example, I've had longer videos that have done really well. And I think it's all about the content itself and how yeah. you're hooking them. I know I had, this is silly, but it was a tutorial on how to curl your hair with the, yeah. the Dyson Air Up. And it's, <laughs> it's awesome. a product that people like struggle to use. So I started off the video saying like, if you have trouble getting your curls to last, like here's the tutorial I do. And it was longer for TikTok. It was a minute, which is like on the longer side. You want to yeah, get super yeah. quick on TikTok. But since I like hooked them and said the problem and then offered a solution, it yeah. has almost a million views now. So it's all about like, hooking them and also providing them value. Like if someone's going to stop, it needs to be something that's going to help them at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 That's cool. So let's talk about some of your personal endeavors with social media. Cause social media is not just your, uh, your work, your work job. It's, it's also <laughs> yeah. your, your hobby and passion. So yeah. I guess talk a little bit about some of the, the, uh, the stuff you do in personal life with social. Yeah. So it's actually a funny story. I actually kind of fell in love with social media, um, when I was in college, I didn't go to school for marketing. I actually went to school to be a teacher. But when I was in school, I kind of knew that I would end up in social media or in some type of marketing role. So I actually started a blog, which I don't post on anymore. Um, and then over time, I just started posting more on Instagram. I started a YouTube yeah. blog channel, um, started posting on TikTok. Yeah. And over time, I've kind of built these little communities and that was the fav- my favorite part of social. Yeah. And that's what really pulled me in from the beginning is being able to connect with people and form relationships that you would have never been able to do outside yeah. of that. Like I've made lifelong friends from Instagram that live across the country. And that's my favorite part of social. So yeah, over time, I've just started building up my community on Instagram and then um, brands started to reach out to work with me. So yeah. I have formed some really great relationships with fashion brands. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really awesome. And I just, I love sharing my life and being able to help people. I think that's the reason why I wanted to be a teacher because I love being able to impact someone's life or just help someone. So I think that's what also pulled me to social is that same kind of role where I can share something and impact my audience. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting approaching social that way. Cause you know, I think there's a lot of, obviously there can be a lot of like vanity and posting and social, and there can be a lot of like, I think there's a lot of somewhat stigmas or negativity around sharing about yourself and, and putting yourself out there in that way. And obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I've struggled with like, do I, like, I don't want to share certain things and I, st- mm-hmm. you know, and I don't, but I, it's interesting f- hearing you say that. Cause you have a very clear idea like hey there's things that i can do even if it's like a dyson hair hair wrap Mm -hmm. you know like that's people want to know how to use it and it it does help people who want to know how to use it and so you come at it from that angle of like this is there are things that i can just help people with um Mm -hmm. which sounds obvious but it's actually trickier to figure that out probably than than people yeah yeah and on tiktok like for example on instagram i feel like i have a very Like I know my community, I know what kind of content they want and it just feels easier on Instagram where on TikTok, you never know what video is going to work. And still to this day, like I have a bigger following on TikTok than I do on Instagram, but I feel like I have more control on Instagram than I do on TikTok, which is interesting because first, well, the algorithm has recently changed and I think everyone's kind of dealing with their content not performing as well, but 
I have posted videos of my like day in the life of working at Octopus and I've just posted like fashion videos and cleaning videos. And like, I've had each in every category, I've had certain videos that have gone viral. So it's kind of like, I don't really have a strategy when it comes to my TikTok. I'm kind of just sharing everything. And I think that honestly makes it more authentic because I'm giving you a little bit of everything. I'm not niching down into one thing because I don't want to be known for just one thing. I think that can honestly harm an account sometimes if you just niche down on one thing yeah then you're closing yourself off to other pieces of content that people could relate to or be inspired by yeah it's so interesting hearing you say that because i i do think like you're kind of a a you're, you're like a you know, there's obviously the idea of like influencers making it big, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we all know the stories of people like the billionaire, like 12 year olds or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Um, but I think there's this like middle ground that you found. I don't know how, I don't know the numbers. I don't know how many people actually make a little bit of money on it or do, or do like what you do. Um, but mm-hmm. it's interesting. Like it feels manageable, everything you're saying. So how do you like, how do you, how did you get started? Like how, how would somebody even get started trying to make a little side hustle here? Like what, what would you, how would you approach that? I think honestly, it first starts with your community and building a presence where, that people want to be a part of. Cause yeah. I honestly think the follower count doesn't really matter as long as you have people that are engaging with your content. Yeah that's what matters that people like you, they trust you and that you're going to, they're going to engage with your content. So I think first create a platform that people want to be a part of. So I think that's number one. Um, And then obviously if you're being authentic and you're creating that community, people are going to start following you and then you will start building a following that's actually meaningful. And then when you have a decent amount of followers, I think it just depends. If you even have a thousand followers, you can start reaching out to brands, but I would first put your email in your bio. That's just an easy way. I have brands reach out every single day, even if it's just like sending free product or a PR package, like that's the yeah. fun part of it. But then you can also start pitching yourself to brands. So I have a media kit that gives an overview of all of my social media channels, my numbers, my engagement rate. Um, I don't include my rates in my media kit because I like to be able to negotiate. So like yeah. if you just share your rate, then it kind of boxes you in because sometimes it just depends on who you're talking to. Right. Um, you, they could offer you a bigger budget. So I don't include my rates, but yeah, just start reaching out to brands um, and pitching yourself. And you'd be surprised on how many brands that will actually <laughs> reply back and say, yes, that's how I got started. I just started reaching out and then as you grow and you just, it just keeps, you, you just keep growing and getting more. So like, honestly, now I don't even reach out anymore first because I'm really busy and I just don't have the time like I used yeah. to, but the, it's a good balance because I have brands that reach out and then I can choose if it's authentic or not. And that's that this way. I'm not like overwhelmed with the amount of brand deals that I'm getting, um, which is really helpful to me, but I could probably reach out and get more, but honestly, it's, it's a little crazy right now. So yeah, I have to find a balance. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool to hear that. Cause I think I, I definitely am guilty. And I think it's, it's probably fair to some degree of being kind of cynical about the idea that you can make money on social. Cause I think you, you can, obviously some people do really, really mm-hmm. well, but I think it's a bit of a misnomer. Like most people don't, but it's really yeah. cool to hear your story because I think 
it's uh, it's it's encouraging to see you can just do fairly well. I mean, it's not like yeah. your full time job, and like you said, you probably could figure it out to make it your yeah. full time job. But it's something you can manage on top of doing a, like a mm-hmm. legit other full time job, yeah, and still do well off of it. Yeah, it's it's honestly it's not as hard as it looks. I mean. I make money in my sleep because I have affiliate links set up. So people are going yeah. to my Amazon page and buying something that I shared. I didn't have to do anything. I just added the product to my Amazon page and then I'm making money in my sleep. So there's different yeah. avenues like brand deals. Obviously you can make like a good chunk of money at once, but affiliate links is also a great way to also make passive income. So I feel like I have a few different streams and it's nice because I'm just sharing products like organically and then just yeah. saying, Oh, it's in my Amazon or it's in my like to know it. And then people can go there and shop it. And I don't, I don't have to do anything from there. So there's That's different cool. ways to go about it. Um, and I don't think I've had people ask me, would you ever do your social media full time? Like if it got to the point where I probably could do it now, but it wouldn't be, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. Like I wouldn't have healthcare and things like that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah like the, all those fun things, yeah, the basics. But, I, I honestly think that if I did social media full time, I wouldn't have as much content to share. And I don't think yeah, I, feel that. I wouldn't be that as relatable sense. because yeah. right now I have a job and I'm balancing things and I'm sharing my struggles and it's very relatable to see someone else that also has a full-time job and it's not yeah. a creator. Once you go and yeah, you're a yeah. full-time creator, you kind of lose that relatability. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. It's not that relatable to, for somebody to just be trying to create content all the time. That's yeah. like not super relatable. <laughs> yeah. And then you get those people that blow up and then they're buying Range Rovers and all this Louis Vuitton stuff. And then it's just, yeah. they're, it's just not relatable when you first found that person. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's like a caricature of what, of what they are. It's yeah. not even them anymore. Yeah, that's really interesting. Do you ever just take a step back and because you share a lot of really personal stuff and and like it's, I, I it could be an illusion that you've created, but I do feel like after I've watched your social, like I kind of get how you live your life and like yeah. I kind of understand like some things about you. And anybody who engages with your social can access that. Like, do you ever yeah. you ever just take a step back and you're like, oh god, what what have I done? Like this is <laughs> this is out there forever. I'm gonna be like seventy years old looking back at this and like, oh, this is horrifying. Yeah. Sometimes I have those moments because yeah, if you scroll through my social media or you watch my YouTube videos, I get very personal and I share things that are going on in my life and I share my family, but there are a few things that I don't share too publicly. Like my boyfriend doesn't really like being on camera and he doesn't like being on social media. He doesn't even have social media other than like LinkedIn. So like that aspect, I don't share a lot on. So I kind of pick and choose what I want to share. Yeah. But yeah, I I share a lot and you could find everything about me, where I went to college, the sports I played in high school. You could figure out everything about my life, which I don't think is a bad thing. But sometimes I think to myself, like, when when am I going to stop? Like I sometimes wake up and I have a tripod like filming me throughout my day. And it's just kind of like silly. Like I'm like, what am I even doing? Um, (laughs) But I think it's fun. And I think, yeah, I really enjoy it. Like I would be doing it. I started it as a hobby because I loved it. I didn't even think it would, I would be able to make money from it in the beginning. It's just so fun for me. So I would be doing it even if I wasn't making money off of it. Um, cause I, I honestly just love it so much, but it gets tricky because 
social media is my job. Social media is my hobby. It's my side hustle. And I also love social media. So I'm on social media all day long. And I've really had to set boundaries because I could so easily just be in social media and kind of distracted by it all day long and not have a single thought and just be like pulled in by TikTok and LinkedIn. So I really have to set those boundaries. And it's honestly, it's very hard to do. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like there's a there's a danger with social because you do get just pieces of things that you you have to like remind yourself this isn't life. I mean, there yeah. there are other things out there, you know, like you have to go outside and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. That's really cool. So, what is like what's next for you with with social with work at Octopost? Are there things you're really excited about coming up, or you know, what what what's on your plan? Honestly, I am just excited to continue. Um, growing with Octopost. Um, we have some customer events coming up, which I'm really excited yep. to go to. Um, so that's really exciting because I've never been able to work with our customers in that kind of setting. So that's really exciting um, at Octopost. And yeah, I'm just excited to try some new strategies out this year and just continue the growth we've seen. And then personally, I am trying to get back into YouTube. I think right now that I think YouTube is going to have a comeback. I don't think it ever really went away, but I think the focus has been on TikTok for quite some time now. And I'm really looking to just start posting more frequently on YouTube, um, which I kind of took a break because I used to be, I used to post like two, three times a week for a couple of years, but I kind of took a little bit of a break. So I'm going to focus on YouTube this year. That's interesting. So what does that look like focusing on YouTube? Are that like that's like more long form video content, I, I'm imagining, like day in the life type stuff. Yeah. So day in the life, um, weekend in my life, like just vlogs. Cause I I honestly like to put out the content that I like to consume. Yeah. So I love watching vlogs. So that's the kind of content that I want to start putting out more. So they're usually around like 30 minutes, 40 minutes sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, like I, I love that kind of content and I think it's, it's really interesting to see into other people's lives and what they're doing every day. And YouTube is a great platform to do it. I mean, honestly, you yeah. can do it on any platform, but YouTube is just an easy way to do that. Yeah. I think it's interesting from like a storytelling perspective, how that like vlogs do so well and that people like when I, as I've been like, cause I make documentaries, which is kind of like a vlog, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like a more polished vlog. Um, yeah. and that's a big overstatement, but it, it's basically <laughs> what it is. Uh, and, and, uh, but it's interesting, like, you know, there's this idea that content has to have a lot of narrative drive. And I think the best content does ultimately have a lot of narrative drive, but there are other emotions that vlogs and YouTube vlogs actually give space to Mm -hmm. that always amazes me as a storyteller that people love it. And Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of what you said. It's that like the authenticity and, and just kind of opening up a window into somebody's imperfect life is Mm -hmm. like cathartic for people or it's cathartic for for, you know, viewers and also for the person sharing. Yeah. I think it makes you, it makes you feel safe almost. Because if you're watching this person, you're watching their life, it's kind of like a community almost. And it makes me feel safe. It's kind of like a comfort show, but it's a comfort person. 
and they're a real person. I think that's the authenticity that YouTube brings, not yeah. like different than like Netflix or shows and stuff. Like you're watching a real person and they're sharing yeah. their emotions and that just leaves a bigger impact. Yeah. And yeah, I honestly just think it, it makes people feel safe and it just keeps bringing them back because again, it's another person. Yeah. It's not like a brand or, you know, it, it's, that's what social media brings is that authenticity and connecting yeah. with other people. I think it's so, it's so funny to me when brands, like we obviously work a lot with brands to try to tell their story and they're always the word the authenticity always comes up. They're always like, we want this to feel authentic. And it's, it's so interesting to me as a storyteller, because I know the best way to get authentic stories is to have a really good relationship with your customers mm -hmm. <laughs> and have a really good product. It comes back to like yeah. product market fit. And I think the, the thing that is so, it's kind of amusing to me at times because you literally could ask people to set up a vlog and have them talk for 30 minutes. And if your product actually helps them, that it will, it will be useful content. You know, yeah. if your product doesn't, it's going to be a lot harder, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I, it's, it's so interesting, like hearing you talk about that emotion of safety and, and like yeah. authenticity. Cause honestly, I feel like brands spend way too much energy worrying about their brand and not enough mm -hmm. energy, just like finding the deep relationships and connections that people that they have and then leveraging those, giving them a camera or asking yeah. them to do things. Um, and just nurturing that. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think a lot of brands overthink it and it's actually simple when you break it down, Yeah, whatever your message is, you need to say it in a way that someone will feel something yeah. and leave an impact because the yeah. best, like the best stories, for example, they make you feel something yeah. and they're memorable. So anytime you can connect with someone, maybe it's a sense of belonging or maybe you're funny. It's, yeah. you just have to think about what you're trying to say and how you can connect with someone at the end of the day. Yeah. And especially on social, like you want that connection because when you make those connections, you're forming relationships, you build, it builds community over time. So it's all yeah. about saying something that's going to make a lasting impact. Yeah, definitely. It's the whole idea of like, it's, it's not what you said. It's how you made somebody feel. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. And I actually have, this is really funny, um, an example of this. It, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be something that's super long form. I think when people hear storytelling, yeah. I know even when I hear storytelling, I'm thinking like super long form and like right. really intricate, but it can be very short. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was this author was the guest I don't even, I don't even remember the author's name, but I remember the title of his book because it made me feel something. Right. And the title was, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here, but yes. the title was no one wants to read your shit. And it made me like, <laughs> that made me think like, that's so true. Like no yeah. one wants to read it. Like you have to give people a reason to care. And yep. just that title, like now it's in the back of my head. Every time I'm writing content, I'm like, what am I going to say to make someone want to read this and stop and actually pay attention to this? So it's, it can be something so small that's gonna if it, if you can get someone to remember it or make someone feel something yeah that's that's the key yeah a hundred percent and and I think it's the other thing that just to the to that same idea and to um to the idea that brands overthink it one thing that I realize is like a filmmaker entering this space which is kind of this space is somewhat new to me this whole B two B marketing space obviously mm -hmm. storytelling is not um, the it's 
people overthink, they, they get really precious and then they worry too much about content, whether it's writing or video or whatever. And they don't realize that all of these things people engage with, unless it's like a really in-depth deck that's delivering a lot of information about a product. The reality is if you're watching a video, if you're engaging with the social media, whatever, you're looking at it once. It's mm -hmm. like one, it's one time and it's one experience and then they move on. Mm -hmm. They don't pour over it like they do if you're sitting in a theater watching something. Yeah. And even then, frankly, they don't pour over it because they only watch it once. They don't go back and review it. There's no like, this isn't like a test that you're being graded on. Mm -hmm. So I think that the tendency to be perfect works so against yeah. good storytelling because they don't realize like it's just one experience and all you're trying to do is get emotion across that. A week later, when they're at home eating breakfast and they're in between things, they're going to mm -hmm. think about and remember and be like, oh, that was a nice that was a nice thing or that was a nice whatever or that impacted me and it's yeah. memorable. Um, it's such a different way to think about it when you realize people, it's a very, it's just a moment in time and then they move on. Yeah. I think brands is like, they think if they're putting a video out, it needs to be highly produced and it needs yeah. to have their corporate look and feel. But I honestly like the videos that are more laid back and casual yeah. because honestly, we're not saving the world here. Like I work yeah. in social media. I work in marketing. Like yeah. I don't work in a hospital. Like I'm not, I'm not saving people's lives here. And yeah. people are on social media for fun most of the time. So it's about getting your message across and it in a, in an engaging way. And it's, it, I feel it's most engaging when it's authentic and laid back yeah. and it feels like it feels more real that way. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I think it's really interesting. And it's yeah. definitely a, a, a shift, at least in the conversations I've had with B2B marketers specifically, it's definitely a shift in, in thinking about and how you think about content. Cause you know, mm -hmm. once upon a time that it was, it was definitely at least the opinion that content should be highly controlled and highly, you know, poured over by teams and there's, you know, it should be, there's a perfect piece of content that they're trying to put out there that will mm -hmm. drive growth. But it's definitely not how it works in social media in, in today's yeah. world. Yeah. And I think TikTok is honestly helping with that because now you can get a video up in 30 seconds and it yeah. can perform so well. So I think that reminds us that maybe we're just overthinking it. And yeah. if we just show up authentically, then like that will see a lot of results. Yeah, just kind of chill out and post mm -hmm. some stuff, see what happens. Yeah. You can always take it down if it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, good stuff. Well, if you were going to give like one piece of advice to a social media manager who's starting out on her or his career, you know, what, what would you say? I would say post what you think is going to help your audience. I think there's a lot of pressure at least when you're starting out and you're in a new company, you're trying to get a feel for things and there will be, you'll get a lot of knocks on your door saying, Hey, can you post this? Can you post this? Like get this out today. And it happens all the time. It happens to every social media manager that I'm friends with and that I speak to. And I think it's very important to look at your audience and yeah. ask yourself, will this piece of content help my audience or will they care about it? And if the answer yeah. is no, then you should not post it. I think that's something that I've worked on because there have been times where I've just posting content because I know I should be posting it. And then I'm like, Olivia, 
our audience, well, why are they even going to care about that? Like they don't care. So <laughs> that's something that I've really come a long way with. And I think if you're just starting out, like think about your audience because they're, they're all what matters. That's the only reason you're on social to connect with your audience. You're not just yep. doing social for the sake of social, like your audience, you want to connect with your audience. So always think about them with everything you do. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great ending point there. That's perfect. Well, thanks for your time. This was totally fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I hope, I hope I gave some, um, actionable insights and some value here. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much for having me.